Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 23, The Modern Minuteman. My name is Jeremy and I'll be your host. Today I'm joined by John Case, who is actively serving in the U.S. Air Force and is the author of The Modern Minuteman Handbook. So, take your note-taking gear out as we discuss the world of tactical and prepared citizens. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Shrink the numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast, and Johnny, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so you have recently come out with a book, but you've also recently caught uh, the Instagram ban, like many of us before you. And, yep, uh, again. Now you're now you're you're back in fighting, and the, the the Instagram fight really doesn't stop. It never does, and I really don't know why. Because when you get banned, right, it doesn't really explicitly be like, oh, this post is the reason why I got banned. So I have no idea because I haven't posted anything spicy lately. Yeah. So I think it just has to relate to something AI. Like you triggered some sort of word that triggered some sort of algorithm and then you're just kind of like marked for life from there. Yeah. The weird thing is I think every time I've gotten banned, my friends also got banned. Like the guys I've worked with, they get banned somehow. So maybe it's because of me they got banned. Yeah. Hopefully not, but... Do you trend. run your Instagram off of iPhone? Yes, and my computer. So if you continue to recreate accounts on your iPhone, even if you create it on a browser and then log in on your phone, every like probably like three to six months, you're going to go through a cycle of bans because your Apple ID is registered with that Instagram app that you've downloaded, and then you basically tie your accounts data to your Apple ID data and it kind of just eventually like eventually the server does like a cycle and it's like hey we've already banned this guy once he's on the no-no list ban him again and that's why it just comes out of no I had to move completely I had to move completely away from from iPhones and Apple I've got a bunch of random Google Pixel phones that I bought off eBay that run all of my accounts and they're all separate none of them touch each other's devices that's smart which yeah, because I had to use a VPN to make another account. But well, well and that's the thing. Like is, you said. I mean, depending on the VPN you're using, like, are you just using like NordVPN? Uh, it's called Hide.me. Mm, I'm not familiar with that one. A lot of the mainstream ones, Instagram kind of like knows you're using a VPN at this point because those VPNs don't ever like cycle their IP yeah. addresses. So it's, it's I'm guessing of, it's probably mainstream, so I wouldn't see... I kind of see it getting banned again. Yeah. Is what it is. Is what it is. But for those uh, that really don't know who you are, uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you? Uh, I'm Johnny. Everyone calls me Johnny. Uh, John Case, or official John Case is my Instagram. Uh, like you said, I've been banned a couple times. It's always around like 2,000 followers. I just get banned. Uh, I've been in the military for almost six years. Uh, uh, controller. Um, so if you know that is just the civilian side, same exact thing. I just mostly deal with military aircraft, and uh, it's a hard pipeline. I think the attrition rate's like fifty percent. Uh, once you get your five level, which just means you're capable of doing the job by yourself. You don't need someone over your shoulder all the time. 
Uh, getting into this community, I wrote about it a little bit in my book, why I got into it. It's just mostly being in the Air Force and specifically my job, we don't learn these things at all because it's not related at all. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was, the military just kind of did me a disservice with that. So I had to go out and find other dudes who wanted to do that, these kind of things because no one at work wanted to do this kind of stuff. Towards the tail end, some did, but I just wanted to be ready, prepared for anything, protect my family. That's the most important thing to me. Prepare for the worst. So that's kind of how I got into this. There's a lot. People will probably be surprised by the amount of military guys that really aren't that motivated or don't want to, like, train extra. Like, there's a lot of guys that want to show up, just do the bare minimum, and then just go back to the barracks and... You know, yep. I think it's a nine to five, but it's not. Um, and you recently wrote uh, the Modern Minuteman Handbook. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Kind of what inspired you to get into that? Yeah. So the funny thing is, like, I'm very organized. If I don't have, if like I'm learning something, I have to read like all the different manuals. Like in my job, whether we have different regs and stuff, we have to go through. Not just like the overarching. This is the big regulation I have to read through. I also have to know our local rigs. So that being said, reading all these tactical manuals that people have written, as well as like military publications, some of it's overwhelming. And it was overwhelming for myself starting off reading it all. Because like, you read it and you're like, okay, I read this. I don't really know how to apply it, though, because <laughs> my scope is very limited to seeing uh, what's actually written down then you go to YouTube you watch videos on it and then you look at Instagram posts that other people are writing but the funny thing is I was writing a fiction novel it was like my first thing I was writing a book about this dude blah blah whatever he's in the military or he's a uh, what do you call it? a contractor etc I kind of got inspired from another novel that I've read so I wanted to write my own book I thought this would be cool I love reading like mostly like military fictions and stuff like Tom Clancy and even like the uh, Jack Carr novels. Like, I like this a lot. Mm. And at the same time, while I was writing this, I was working on my group's or my team's handbook or binder. And after like writing through this entire binder, I don't know how long it took me to write it, but we did specifics on mostly like the tactical SOPs of like what let's say, like, how many chem lights are we going to carry? Like, what are the chem lights mean from to the overarching? What are we going to do when we react contact from a ranger file on the right side or the left side? Or we take contact on the rear from a ranger file or a staggered column? What if we're, what happens if we take contact during a leader's recon, etc.? So going through, like, all these contingencies, all these different SOPs, I was, like, thinking there's nowhere out there that has these laid out simply and simplicity terms and layman terms uh so that's kind of what inspired me was working on our team binder and then putting not exactly what we were using but the general idea of fire maneuver uh, doctrine and putting examples of like basic examples and pictures and work where do i need to start is really the biggest thing where do i start so i thought this is a good prepper book so that's kind of how i got inspired and I think it took me like six months, roughly, to finish it. And that's including 
uh, people re reading it, like getting like a little bit of validation of like, yeah, you're, this is good information. This isn't bullshit. Mm -hmm. As well as like my editor working on it because I actually had to get an editor for this because I'm not that smart. Gotcha. For those that haven't read the book, would you say the tempo of the book kind of favors uh, Army or Marine Corps doctrine? Is there a specific doctrine that kind of guided you through all this or did you just kind of pick bits and pieces of everything that you've learned and experienced and everything and just kind of create your own little uh, masterpiece? I say I use a lot of terms from the Marine Corps because most of the dudes I was training with were Marines. Mm -hmm. But I there's Ranger Handbook pictures in there too. So sure. like um, some of the patrolling stuff I'll take like the cigar shape of hastily occupying an ORP. Like I took that directly from the Ranger Handbook. Mm -hmm. The picture of the Gatwa, like what is a Gatwa? And then what's an LR? Or Leaders Recon. So I say a lot of it is kind of like a mixture, which might suck for some people. If you're, if you already know, mm -hmm. like Army, or you already know Marine Corps, it might be conflicting. But the principle of fire maneuver is the same for both. It's just, I guess you could say it's a little bit different for how they go about doing stuff. Um, but that being said, I, yeah, it's just a mixture between the both. I don't think it's a good idea to only use one book as your guideline i think you should take bits and pieces from all different books you shouldn't narrow your scope on one thing that being said like hand and arm signals yeah you should probably stick with one or the other and then make your own because there's not hand arm signals for everything right so would you say that it was easy or harder to kind of can to keep the book at, at the length that it's at. It's 136 pages for those that have not got it. So it's a, it's a, it's a decent little manual. It's not too short and it's definitely not too long, but it's a, it's a good length. Was it easy to kind of condense it to 136 or did you feel like you kind of had to stretch it to 136? Um, I would say I wasn't totally focused on how long the book was. Mm -hmm. I was trying to make sure that the basics and fundamentals were there. And that's just kind of how it ended up that long. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like if the book was fifty pages, it's fifty pages. Sure. Granted, the yeah. book's only—I think it's like six by nine—is how big, six inches by nine inches, I think. I guess how I big should, the book is. I should rephrase the question. Did you ever feel like was there ever a version of the book before you got to the final copy where you're like, "This is too long" or "This is too complex" and I need to scale it down? Like, uh, how did that process kind of go. I'll say sometimes when I first wrote it, I had a lot of like step one, step two, step three. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, that's cool and all, but I don't want dudes just to copy and paste this. I wanted them to think a little bit more for themselves. Granted for the, I think it's the ambush section of patrolling. I talk about like, I think that's what it is. Uh, I can't remember, but establishing how to set up an ambush like the steps one through i think there's like 12 or something like that um but trying to get the general idea of like what does it mean like what is a patrol base like i don't know what that means is it a base that moves around or is it a base or what the fuck's a patrol so uh like i think i write like a little bit paragraphs on each little section that gives you enough information but it's not overwhelming like how do i select a pb here's 15 items 
or how do I establish a, or not establish, but how do I d- pick a good rally point? And here's the list of 15 items. Like, you can go look up and read that, but what is a rally point? I don't understand, like, the purpose of that. When do I use it? When should I not use it? Etc. So, I guess I got away from writing bullet points was my biggest difference from the original draft versus the final draft. Gotcha. And why did you uh, decide to settle on the name the Modern Minuteman instead of, you know, like another title or you know term that's kind of been used recently in regards to like the tactical civilian why why was the modern minuteman you know the kind of the go-to for this uh so an individual and i i guess i could say his name now because he kind of gave me permission for my next book his name's peter mm-hmm. he's a big influence on this stuff like just this book and training and everything um him and i were talking about how can what's like a good organizational setup or organization setup uh, that the military uses that any citizen can use that has literally no military background, but they can follow this little framework. Mm-hmm. So his experience, cause he, uh, he's a special operator. So his experience for that and realizing that ODAs have a good framework for people to use cause they're only 12 man teams, right? So 12 mm-hmm. isn't, it's, I, I guess you can kind of understand how hard it is to recruit people into your team. It's not just because you have to vet them, but it's just talking to Tyler and I, or talking to Tyler about this, like the 10% rule of people actually are about it. So the 100%, like, say you have 10 dudes that want to actually, like, they come out the train with you, mm-hmm. only one of those guys is actually going to stick with it. I would and say I guess... I would say that's probably a, a fair a fair estimate. Um, I would say my numbers in my experience are a little higher than that, but from what I've gathered from other people, it definitely seems like a true retention or just even continuation of training is, is definitely lower than probably my own self experience. Yeah. Um, so we back to the, I guess where you're asking the, the original question, the modern Minuteman, why did you choose that? Mm. Cause it's modern time, a little bit different than what the Minuteman was back then. My idea of a Minuteman, is the ODA model, and we call it the ODM, Operational Detachment Mike or Slash Minuteman. Mm-hmm. Um, the principle of that is your 12-man team is very organized. Mm-hmm. Everyone's cross-trained because that's what ODAs do. You cross-train on stuff. And you train other guys to this to a quality level. And your other, uh, I guess you, kind of your secondary role to that is you can actually do these operations, operations quotes, if shit ever happens, etc. Mm-hmm. So we're training to a minute level that we can quickly react to something. And I believe that the Minuteman principle from 1765, or uh, say, I guess 1765 around that time, I can't remember. I wrote in the next book of the history of it because mm-hmm. I love the history of our ancestry. Of when the Minuteman came about, um, but I guess I kind of also used it as a as advertisement tool a little bit. Sure, because yeah, it's all part of it. Some, trying to build away from the connotation that the Minuteman's cringy because it's yeah. not cringy. I like the fact that you built when you when the, the way this book is written, you've kind of built things out around a twelve plus one man squad, uh, which is a little bit more of a traditional uh, Marine Corps way of looking at things. There's a lot of guys that like 
eight plus ones, um, uh, and some guys like nine plus ones for three man fire teams. I really like three fire teams of four, um, and I think it is one a very good uh, force projection in a sense. You can get a lot done with twelve dudes in in, in regard in in comparison to eight, and you really fulfill out uh, the roles. Uh, and responsibilities of like a combat patrol between your assault, your support, and your security element. You know that that would right. be a lot harder to break down in comparison to like uh, the traditional small unit tactics books. I, for, I forget who uh, who wrote the other really popular one, uh, but he, he does his on an Alpha Bravo team, so eight plus one. Um, and it there it just seems like you're short on responsibilities in a sense. Um, I, I really like having the. Uh, extra guns around, having the extra hands, the extra knowledge, and it spreads out the responsibilities a little bit better because there's, even outside of just assault support security, there's a ton of stuff that goes into it. You talk about it some in the book between who is your designated EPW guys, who's your comms guy, do you have a medic in your squad, um, you know, do you have an aid litter team, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of responsibilities go around, and eight-man squads is definitely kind of uh, skimpy in a sense. Yep, and I would say shooting for that 13 is a good term. Even though I'm saying like the ODM or the ODA stuff mm -hmm. is a 12-man team. But like you said, the 13-man team, you have your SL, then you have your three fire teams. And then yeah. so he can focus on the bigger pitcher maneuvering everyone. Sure. While your guys are the little, minus the, the FTLs are focusing on fighting, actually. One of the be best pieces of advice an old infantry buddy of mine ever said was that a squad leader's... Um, most important weapons is his fire team is his fire teams and that separating your squad leader or your element leader depending on what you know you're uh, referring to that that role as separating him from the teams and allowing him to kind of take that step back and really implement his teams in a methodical manner I think makes a really big difference versus him kind of being put into a team and trying to do squad leader type tasks yeah that's why i put the sl i use patrol leader because mm -hmm. i'm kind of using a little bit a mixture of marine and uh army terms but that's why i put the patrol leader in the support element so he can see the bigger thing i don't want him essentially on the assault element while i can have the assistant patrol leader be my eyes and ears up there for me mm -hmm. but um this is just things i was taught right because i was never taught this in a professional military sense that i'm taught from guys who've gone out there and actually done it overseas or trained it because that's their livelihood right because i don't train this at work mm -hmm. um, so what does your uh, you said you're already working on a second book what what if any can you give us about that you know what is that focusing more around in comparison to what this book does so the second book, working title, The Team, is focusing on establishing your 12-man ODM slash ODA team. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is understanding what is this model we came up with, Peter and I came up with, what do the leadership roles look like beyond beyond the support, support, sorry, support, security, assault, mm -hmm. that, like, rifleman squad, right? Because they can do that because it's a 12-man team, you, granted, the patrol leader is now going to be within a fire team uh, as one of those four mans. But the bigger thing, there's a lot more than just uh, 
doing being support security assault, right? Actually going out on a patrol, you have to worry about logistics, everything. You have to worry about training, cross-training, looking at the bigger picture, uh, propaganda, um, working on your comms equipment, buying gear for your team. So I wanted to break it down and like give out a framework that guys can use because no one... I'm not saying no one because maybe I don't know who's posted about this or I've seen it. I haven't seen it in any other book of an organizational framework, like teaching, like group development. How do I develop my group? How do I establish an SOP? How do I come up with qualifications? Is a big thing I talk about in the book. Uh, what are the tasks I need to know as a baseline rifleman? Like, what do I need to know? Basic field craft. How can I go out and acquire food? How much food should I be stocking up? I mean, I don't really go into that yet. I've, I'm only about 50 pages into this book right now. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, how do you set up a team binder and financing? Uh, yeah, that's like the biggest things. I guess I, I hopefully I answered your question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say that that definitely uh, answers it. Sounds like the second book definitely is a lot more... Uh, it almost seems like it's more into the support and logistics side of it. Um, I would say yes. It, that, that I barely talk about any tactics at all, if yeah. any. And I think that's something a lot of people are starting to realize is that the support and logistics is 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 just so important. It doesn't matter if you're if you've got five guys or you got fifty guys. Some form of support and logistics and supply has to be taken into consideration because if if you're a civilian group, let's just take the whole cool guy, small unit tactics side out of it. If you're some sort of civilian group, you probably have families that you consider. Uh, that's your responsibility if anything were ever happen, and so on and so forth. And even supporting all of those families will require logistics, especially if we start talking about families getting together at one or a few sites. That's a lot of logistics. That's a lot of moving parts, it's, You know, especially if you can't just go to your local store anymore fill up a grocery cart and go home like nothing ever happened. Um, so support right. and logistics definitely huge. And people seem to forget to realize, let's say we're like our our blackout plan, right? Is we're all going to meet up with this at this guy's house, but what about my family? Like, how am I going to bring them out there? Do I have enough food for my family? Mm-hmm. Does everyone else have food for their family? How are we going to support each other during this worst case scenario portion? Yeah, Like you said, there's a lot more than it goes into just we're fighting like that's stuff's fun I, I love learning about all small unit tactics and the little tidbits and tricks that people come up with like i love that shit it's so much fun there's a but few you things. also the, on the, other, the flip side of the coin you have to realize it's more than that there's a few things up on the up on our youtube page for the modern minuteman series um over like uh, structure and stuff like that. I've got a ton of notes in my phone of different videos to make as far as like support and logistics go, but I'm waiting until like we have our stuff squared away to to have the stuff to to provide a better um, like a visual experience to go with the YouTube. Like my local guys, we've got a lot. I've we've got a fair amount of logistics set up probably in comparison to most but it's not to the point where i would be like i would want to make a video about it be like this is some of the stuff you should do or you should get you should set up or whatnot like we're kind of still in that that growth phase 
to say the least. Yeah. And I think guys... I'm, need... I, I'm restarting, so <laughs> I'm working on all this stuff again. I have to find I, another team. I think guys just need to get over their fear of exposure in a sense. Being cautious and and maintaining a level of OPSEC is important. Yes, 100%. Don't deny that at all. But some of these guys that are good at making videos or good speakers and whatnot, we need more guys to talk about how to develop groups better and show examples and talk about their experiences, the good, the bad, and whatnot, and kind of get over the, the thought that if you post one thing that the feds are just going to show up at your door and, you know, shoot your dog. There has to, there, we got to kind of grow past that a little bit um, in the community, I think. I mean, I, 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 I don't. Can we talk about the experience I kind of had with starting my own group sure. and how it developed over time? Yeah. So I moved. So it kind of sucks that I lost all that work that I had done with all those guys. But in the very beginning, I can't remember how we all met up together, but we all met up at someone's house, right? So there's a bunch of random dudes showing up at this dude's house. Um, thankfully, everyone who went, went was, like, cool, except for one dude who he just, like, ghosted us. We never saw him again. But we all showed up in our gear, whatever. We went shooting. Um, we didn't really have a plan at all. Our plan was to show up at this person's house, their land, go shoot, and that was it. Like, it wasn't very organized. We talked about having, like, some hip pocket class. Like, one of the guys is a, med uh, uh, what do you call it, paramedic. So he's going to, like, teach us some uh, basics of the TCCC and uh, CPR stuff. Mm -hmm. So we did go over that. But beyond our plan, it wasn't organized. We're like, we're not going to do these certain drills. Over time, I kind of realized that our time is very important mm -hmm. to attending these events because we were only able to really do it once a month, which kind of stunk. I wish I could do it more. But we're kind of spread out all over the state of North Carolina. And the problem with North Carolina is it's not that we're all spread out. It's just it takes forever to get anywhere. It does. You're trying to go sucks. like 40 miles and it's like um, hour and a half. <laughs> it sucks. It's ridiculous. I hate how it's set up there. Anyway, that's not really important. But um, So time is important to everyone. Hmm. So I took it upon myself as the impromptu leader because I was kind of inviting people to the group. The guys already in the group are like, hey, my friend, or this guy I met on Instagram, he's kind of interested. So we started, like, I had a core group of guys. There's, I would say, like, five of us that were, like, we're dead set, like, we're going to go do this if shit happens. Like, this is our plan. But we realized we needed more people because our experience was kind of limited. I was the only dude who was in the military. Mm -hmm. And even that, being in the military, my experience of any of this stuff is pretty much nothing like I, I learned how to read when I was in kindergarten but <laughs> beyond that um, so realizing that time was limited we need to make more the most of it uh, I would come up with like an op schedule of like hey we're going to do this from this time everyone shows up at 0800 between these this time block we're going to do this this that's pretty much what it became and let's say Saturday was the day we're going to go do the exercise or to go train Friday night on discord we would go through a PowerPoint I made of going exactly what you need to pack or make sure you have. I mean, I kind of give out packing list earlier, but this is what's going to happen. Make sure to bring this amount of water. Like this is your 
ammo count requirement. Um, and basically, just a general outline of what we're going to do so dudes aren't showing up like, or just sitting around like bullshit and wasting everyone's time. Because some guys are driving like three to four hours for these things. Uh, then we kind of realized that we're tr- we needed to weed out the dudes who weren't really about it. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we started, I came up with a very simple PT test that everyone had to do monthly. And it was kind of like scouts honor, like, hey, I this is my score of what I got. Uh, it was just push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. Uh, originally, it was only a mile run. And then later on, we added a three-mile ruck time. It had to be under a certain timeline. I think it was like 50 minutes. So it wasn't bad. And it was like 45-pound ruck or something. So we wanted to weed out the dudes who weren't about it. If they, I, My principle was if they can't do this PT test monthly, then they're, I'm not going to be able to trust them to do anything else because this is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Like, show up and do this PT test. It's not, not the saying that it's an easy PT test for everyone because not everyone's in the same... Uh, like you and I, we're probably not on the same uh, physical level, right? Mm-hmm. So I was giving dudes the benefit of doubt. Like it wasn't a pass or fail thing. It was just do it. I don't care if you failed it. But some guys couldn't even do that. They could even pe- fail it, <laughs> or they could even lie to me. Like, hey, I here's my fake stats or whatever. I don't fucking know. But so we we had to weed out people with that test. I this is very recently before I left. I came out, or we decided to use a kind of like an assessment selection framework mm-hmm. of three different phases. Phase one was you had to pass the PT test. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also had to tell me like, hey, I want to be like, I'm really into this. Like I'm 100% want to be like training and I want to be part of the team. So phase one was that. Phase two was you had to pass uh, all these different critical task evaluations. And that means like different tasks. Like I didn't know, I don't know. You needed to know basic field craft, basic fundamentals of maneuver or fire and maneuver, stuff like that. Of that sense. And then beyond, we didn't really get to implement this because I left. But phase three was like a like a test mm-hmm. of you. Um, have you heard about the oh, fuck? What are they call the Interminables podcast or their page or anything? Uh, I don't think I'm familiar. Okay. Um, originally they sent me their little framework of their group in Texas of what it looked like and it kind of inspired me to take their little they do like a what the fuck do they call it I'm probably going to mess up the name but it's like a shortened ranger school basically what this leadership course they have is like three days or something so I wanted to kind of like implement something like that of taking all these skills that a dude learned and he goes through this test or FTX ITX, whatever you want to call it, just a training exercise, so they can combine all their skills they learned, and once they pass that phase three, then they become a team member. Like you get frogged, so stuff like that. If you don't know what frogging means, uh, uh, how do I explain it? Can you explain frogging? Because I, I don't, I'm gonna fuck it up. Uh, not without knowing how you do it. Uh, so. Because I wear OCPs now, right? So if you get promoted, you, we put our patch there and you get like punched there. Because we don't have any... We don't wear like our dress blues or anything for when mm. we get promoted, typically. Okay. So it's, not, like, it's not a huge ceremony or anything like that. 
Yeah. In the Marine Corps, we never wore patches. We pinned because we'd have the rank on our collars. Right. And you'd take the backing off the back of your rank and then you'd get hit a bunch of times. <laughs> um, I guess the caveat of that is when we get our five level skill badge, we wear like the, the frogs, right? So you mm-hmm. get punched through that too. Nice. Just like a pin on ceremony. That's uh, not true of any of my leadership listening. We don't frog anyone. <laughs> so. All of this I is, made that of course, up. in Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft. Um, Christian server. Yeah, I definitely think, and we've kind of, my local guys, we've all moved towards um, implementing some sort of, like, joining process, in a sense. Uh, we don't have a PT test, although one is being written right now to kind of, like, set a standard. But I like to uh, throw some really crazy trainings at my guys every couple months. That way it really sucks for them, and they go, oh. Uh, I'm out of shape. I need to not right. suck. But we have what we call the the probationary period. Uh, so when you come to your first meeting, if we give the leadership gives that person the thumbs up to like continue coming to events and training and all that, you have to come to two additional training days within a certain uh, time period for a total of three attended trainings, and then you're off probation and considered like a normal group member. We kind of, we implement that uh, actually not too long ago because we'd have guys that would come to a single training and be like, yeah, I'd like to do this because like we never consider guys part of the group. We don't put them in group chats, nothing until they start coming to events Um, because I hate group messages of people that don't show up to their stuff. Um, You're hunting them down. You're like, where the fuck are you? You say you're coming. Yeah. But we'd have guys that would show up to like a training or two in the beginning and then they would just completely drop off and then we'd have to eventually kick dudes because while we, and I've talked about on other podcasts and YouTube videos, um, while you you as a person in a leadership position, you know, leading a civilian group of guys should have some sort of understanding to the excuse, life happens. People die, you know, kids are born, like that kind of stuff happens and like sometimes guys need to just, you know, take a step away for a second, you know, they'll be back in a month or two. Um, but there's a difference between like, Hey, I just had a kid. I'm going to take 30 days off. And, Oh, I just forgot we had training for the fourth time in a row. Like those kinds of, that kind of stuff's not acceptable. Um, so I always encourage guys to set some sort of, uh, attendance or participation, uh, expectation. And of course on, you can judge this on a case by case basis, but just having a general standard that everyone knows and understands, um, one will help you help retention because you're you're um, holding everyone to a higher standard and you're presenting yourself as a more professional organization but it'll also uh, help you weed out the um, the undedicated or in just plain terms you know the, the ship bags uh, a whole lot more because there are some guys who like you say really aren't about it you know they kind of want to just join a group of guys that just go to the range you know once or twice a month and then you show up and you guys are doing uh, medical and making you know HF dipoles and you're like what the hell is this um, so it definitely helps kind of hold the group accountable agreed you don't want the uh, like the good old boys club right <laughs> it's like a gun club to them but it's that's not what it is and that's, that's what it shouldn't be and that's fine those kind of things have their place and if you're one of those groups that you're just you guys don't get into the logistics and the command structure and the comms and all that you guys just are guys that like to shoot together hey you know that's that's fine there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that um 
But there's, especially in this day and age, with as much as things have changed their influence on social media and the events of the world, so on and so forth, uh, there's definitely a higher demand for, you know, more professional and high standard held groups uh, with a lot more purpose and a lot more organization. Without purpose or direction, that's just pointless, essentially. I, I think I talked about that with uh, Tyler. Morality is my biggest thing I look for in someone. Someone who shares the same morals as me. Mm-hmm. If we can't sh- agree on the morals, then I probably don't want to be training with you. Not saying that like, you're a bad person, but our difference of where my morality is derived from, where your morality is derived from, it's kind of like a. Uh, it's conflicting enough that I don't want to be with someone like that. Like, I. I guess I don't know if that's like, too, if that's um, a condescending, but a terrible way to look at it. Can you provide but an that's my for those that may not like understand where you're coming from. Uh, so let's say I guess abortion's like a big thing. I recently like the Roe v. Wade stuff. I mean that happened a while ago when they gave it to the state level, right? Um, if someone doesn't agree with me on that, uh, saying that like I'm pro-life, right? I'm mm-hmm. Catholic. I I go with pretty much the majority of what the church states. That doesn't mean I agree with everything, but on this topic, I do agree with it. So the example of that would be, I asked to do like, hey, are you pro-life? Like, are you okay with getting an abortion or something? And he's like, uh, no, I, I think it, they should do whatever the fuck they want. I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from, but no thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll pass on you. Um, a big thing when I on this like find your tribe post, I'll always be like, I guess I didn't do it on the last one. Usually I'll write Christians only, or and that doesn't mean it. You have to be like a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect Christian. I don't I don't know any perfect Christians. No one's perfect. But practicing right, we we share this sense of morality. Our morality is derived from God and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I want men who are strong in their convictions, and not someone. I I don't know if you're christian or agnostic so i don't want to like offend you or anything but someone who's agnostic they're like in the middle they don't they're not either or i'd rather (laughs) not that i want to train with an atheist or something but i'd rather train with an atheist than someone who's agnostic because their conviction is oh i can go either way and i don't like people are flippy or wishy-washy i want someone who's either full tilt (laughs) or nothing at all i guess you could say um but that's just how I am. That's how I kind of weed out the weak or weed out the guys I don't want to train with. Um, yeah, that's kind of a tangent I just went on. I don't think that even makes any sense to you. Hopefully uh, I didn't offend you. No, it, uh, no, you say whatever you want. Uh, I grew up Catholic. Uh, however, once I reached probably like 22, I kind of moved I moved away from the Catholic Church and really any organized church I think it was a mix between no longer being able to justify the corruption of the church upon the many denominations and then also my distrust for government because it's a historical uh, it's historically known that governments have always manipulated and or changed religion to achieve political goals so I, though I still call myself Christian, I don't necessarily align with any one denomination or like way 
of thinking. I, I find I, the way I always kind of explain to people is I find God more in people and in my surroundings, like nature and stuff, than I do with like other people of my denomination in a church. Whereas I used to, I used to a lot, but like at this point, me personally, I have too much distrust for government and large organizations that I don't see God in it anymore in a sense. Like, I feel like they've tainted God, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, men are corruptible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have free will, so nothing is going to be perfect. Uh, so I don't disagree with that there is corruption in the church or any other Christian face or their churches specifically. Uh, but that doesn't deter me away from them. But that's just kind of like our difference of it. Sure. Uh, which I don't like a, a man like you whose convictions are like, I believe in Jesus Christ, right? I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in a specific church necessarily. Mm. Like I would want someone like you because you're strong in your conviction of like, I love Jesus Christ, but I distrust the church for these X amount of reasons or these specific reasons or any reason at all. Um, your conviction is there and that's the most important thing is someone to me specifically is that they believe in uh, Jesus Christ or I guess the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of agree to disagree. Like I don't, I don't hate people because I don't believe in Jesus. I don't hate Muslims. I don't hate Jews, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not like my team, right. Or whatever. Um, I'm not in the military in this aspect, so I can pick and choose. Like we can pick whatever gear we want. Like if you're in an infantry line unit, you can only use probably what your command tells you you can use. But yeah. you and I, not our teams aren't military, so we can buy whatever we want. We can use whatever we want. We can pick and choose. We don't have to deal with these shitbags who don't want to be there, mm-hmm. but they just do it because they're bored or they want to belong to something. I guess. Uh, and, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And part of that, like, like that kind of selection process you're talking about comes from whether you're trying to develop, because there's many, there's many different things when it comes to organized filling groups. You have mags, mutual assistance groups. Uh, you have like actual community-based volunteer groups. You have you know, the unorganized militia. Like there's so many different things that go into it. So it depends, I guess, what you're trying to accomplish that kind of allows you to implement said limitations or not. So like for us, for all my local guys, though a lot of them are Christian based or have some sort of uh, Christian sense to them, there are some that aren't super strong in their faith, but their sense of uh, principle and what they believe is right or wrong and their general thoughts of how, of what makes a good community and a good family, uh, a good, uh, family atmosphere agrees with the way that a lot of the other uh, guys in the group uh, think. And I guess it really just kind of depends like what sense of principle and morality does every, do you expect everyone to share within your group? Like I expect, I expect all of my guys to uh, believe in a good family household. Uh, Obviously, you know, small non-interfering government, uh, you know, Stuff like that, but I, I personally would not disqualify someone if they did not share the same uh, spiritual outlook as I did. So long as 
they are of good principle and make a good member of the community. If that if that makes sense at all. Yeah, makes sense to me. That's just I mean, everyone's principle. gonna be, everyone's gonna be different, right? No sure, one's gonna yeah. be the exact same way. Um, but as long as you stick with, uh, don't be wishy washy with how you're gonna. Uh, not saying that you do this, but other people will be wishy washy with uh, your selection process. Like, keep it the same for everyone because yeah. if you don't have this framework, then you're gonna let those dudes slip through the cracks. Like, it's gonna happen re- probably regardless if you're wishy washy or not. But you're trying to s- keep your framework as firm as you can to limit those shitbags to joining. Yeah. And shitbags being, like I said, dudes who who aren't actually about it. They're just there for the IG clout, I guess you could say. Yeah. Necessarily. And it, and that kind of goes for everything. You have to stick to the standards that you've put into place, whether it's your joining requirements, whether it's your attendance requirements, you know, whatever that is. You know, there may eventually come a time where, like, there's a guy in the group that you think is really cool. You know, you're, you could call him a friend now, so on and so forth, but he just doesn't attend trainings anymore, and you just got to – you got to kick him, and you got to – you got to be that guy, and that's kind of a burden that falls on to, you know, leadership is that – you know, a lot of the guys in the group don't have to necessarily worry about those decisions. They don't have to make those awkward confrontations. Uh, but you, as a leader, if, if you're the leader of your group or you're in a leadership position, you know, that's the responsibility that you have. Um, and that's just how it is. Those decisions have to be made by somebody. Right. I actually had a question for you. Um, you said earlier uh, you have, like, your guys through their um... – like before they become a member, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys? I don't like minus opsec stuff. I mean, so we cut this out if we have to. Um, do you have like a team, or is like once they go through that probation period, they're part of the group, they're part of the team? So, in the simplest way I could uh, put it is once you get through the probationary period and you've showed dedication, you line up well with the guys. There's no issues. You become a member of the overall group. And then you are given a position in in what uh, unit or element, depending on the word you want to use, that you are a part of. Right. Okay. Because okay. everybody breaks down into a full into a um, into a, like a your basically like your unit. Like if you were to show up to a company, like when you're in the military, you're yep. like fresh out of schoolhouse, and they're like, "Hey, you're going to such and such shop, or you're going to this section of." the company or the battalion or whatever the hell it is. It's kind of like that. Makes sense to me. I was just wondering, uh, maybe other people will, uh, I feel like when you listen to these podcasts, you always learn something different listening. Cause I listened to the one with the, the Pennsylvania guy. I cannot believe, cannot remember what they're called. Right. Pennsylvania uh, mountain Rangers. Yeah. 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 PMR. So listen to them, like that was a good one. Like that guy, even though he said he, it's not a good public speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spoke pretty well. Um, I learned yeah. some stuff like the financing stuff. Yeah, like that. That was kind of that's like something I haven't really heard about. Like we kind of talked about it before mm-hmm. in my other group, but we never really got into a way of implementing it. But the way sure. he talk, spoke about implementing it, and I think you talked about how you guys do it too, like yeah. having like a treasurer sort of person. Yeah, finance uh, like, is huge. Smart. We have a logistics officer since the group is not, uh, you know, uh, you know, a company or battalion size right. or organization. The logistics officer takes over the funds as well. Uh, so he manages the fund. Everybody donates $20 a month and we use it to fund certain group projects, whether it be uh, medical supplies, whether it's buying uh, equipment to support 
uh, our level of radio equipment. Uh, right now, we're setting up a response trailer. So it's an enclosed trailer, like a bumper pull trailer, that is filled with uh, a ton of different uh, mission-driven supplies. That's mainly um, kind of focused around humanitarian sense, but it could be used for operational, depending on, on you know what you're talking about. Um, but all this kind of stuff, I mean, when you really start getting more settled into your uh, into your group and your guys' purpose and what everything you guys try are trying to achieve, you have two routes that you can go. You know, you go one route where you're just constantly asking guys for money or there's just a few limited individuals that have those spare expenses that are just bearing the cost of everything. Or everybody just, you know, sets that small bare amount. It just adds up over time. You just start knocking out projects. Like the very first thing we ever bought with our group fund was a North American Rescue Talon 2 collapsible stretcher. Nice. Um, and we still have to this day. And they're glad that they have it because I make them drag around dummies in each other. And they're definitely glad mm. that they have that. Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, finances c- plays a, a huge role into it. And the more guys you get, the more billets are established and the more tasks you can take on. And then, you know, you, I can speak for myself. You know, you as an individual in a leadership position or kind of the founder of the group in those beginning stages, when you have a small amount of guys, like less than 10 dudes, you can do pretty much everything yourself. You know, you kind of write the trainings, you track what little supplies you guys have, so on and so forth. Like, it's not a big deal. Once you get over a certain threshold, it becomes a lot of responsibility and you're trying to take on a lot more tasks and manage more people. And it it just becomes too much, just, just like it does in the normal workplace. Um, you know, the regional manager doesn't oversee every single cashier and bus and truck driver and all that kind of stuff. There's managers under him and the managers under him and it, you know, it's so on and so forth. And everybody gets certain responsibilities. It's the same way with all this. Agreed. You need to uh, delegate specific functions and roles for each positional. So you don't become burnt out. If mm-hmm. the commander, so the and commander that- of the group or leader of the group, you'll get burnt out very quickly. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's important that you set a good framework from the beginning. And then you also make kind of like uh, roles and responsibility expectations, you know, clear is that it, once you do start to grow, it kind of helps self run stuff. There's going to be there's obviously going to be bumpy roads and whatnot because we're all kind of doing something that's never really been done. Like there's no there's no big books backed with hundreds of years of experience of how to run unfunded, unorganized civilian groups with a purpose of anything under the sun. Yeah, sure. Like your entire group could be your entire group's purpose one day could just amount to you responding to this single tornado in the town over, or it could eventually resolute to you fighting off a damn communist revolution in an area near you. Like, I mean, the, the possibilities are extremely wide. Train for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah, and at the, the end of the day, uh, hopefully this was all just for fun. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, what's up? I was just watching a podcast with Fred Baker for Counting Coup with um, Redacted. I think mm-hmm. that's what the podcast is called. And uh, crap, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, oh, he's talking about how can you deal with under- realizing that all this stuff we learn, all this training we do, and we never get to use it. Like, how do you deal with that mindset? Do you have a solution to that? Oh. I, I, I'm kind of asking you a question now. Oh, but. Okay. Um, 
it put definitely, you on the spot. So I, okay, so just so I understand the question. The question is, how do you deal with doing all this training and preparing and then never necessarily getting to use it on a normal basis? That and kind of understanding that you probably will never get to use it. Uh, I think... So, yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's kind of two answers to this. One, uh, it's a security blanket. Like, I don't... I don't have a home security system for my house because there's somebody actively in it right now. I have a home security system because one day somebody may break into my house. Um, but however, I could pay for a home security system for the next 65 years until I die and it never gets tripped by you know, a break-in or anything like that one time. Um, so I think it's kind of in that same principle. Same thing with like home insurance or car insurance. You can go your entire life and never use your insurance. But the kind of uh, sense of security that it gives you and that sense of comfort, um, just kind of like how the basic principle of prepping is, uh, is kind of nice to a lot of a lot of guys. You know, some guys, you know, they have a wife, they have two or three kids. It's nice when they have a network of people that can lean on both during times of crisis and just in, you know, normal everyday life. Um, I mean, I comfort and counsel, you know, a ton of my guys through all of life's, you know, crappy unfortunate events um, and absolutely none of them have anything to do with the fact that they lost their fire team uh, while assaulting a trench or that that one medic just wasn't able to save that guy during the medevac or you know anything like that yeah. it's just normal everyday stuff uh, so the support network is nice but at the same time I think it's important for us to understand and important for us bringing up future generations the kind of the mindset of break glass and kind of in case of emergency it, it is not it, it there will always be a disaster to come whether it happens in one year or whether it happens in a hundred years some sort of disaster war plague famine whatever it is will come again the united states is not special north america is not special you are not special because you live in insert you know hick town here eventually at, uh, challenges and some level of basically battle between good and evil will arise again to, to, to some extent. And you kind of just got to be prepared for that. Um, it's, it's, and it's a lot better to be prepared for that and spend a bunch of time and money right now doing that than in two years or something. You get caught with your pants down. You don't know anybody. You didn't train for anything. You don't have any food. And now the grocery stores are shut down because uh, someone, you know, blew up a highway with a with a truck bomb because they're mad about an election, and now you're you know, you're just kind of stuck in this awkward yeah. position. That was kind of the answer I was expecting. Insurance. That's that's really what it comes down yeah. to. It's just, it's and, just uh, insurance in the end. Plus, it's fun. Yeah. I think I think that's something that a lot of guys don't like to talk about is that it is fun. Um, war is not Agreed. fun by any means. I've been to some crappy corners of the world. None of that. None of that is fun. However. Being here in the U.S. and going with your buddies to the woods, doing a patrol exercise, going to the range, tinkering with comms, doing all that kind of stuff, that stuff's fun. And I think we as a community need to uh, just accept that as as an answer. We don't all have to be Mr. Cool Guy serious all the time. This, sometimes this stuff's just fun. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a ton of fun. <laughs> and uh, just have a positive mindset. Sure. And uh, I guess, fuck, what's that quote? The proverb, Chinese proverb, Confucius. I'm just going to make it up that Confucius said it. Uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in war. Yeah, It's kind absolutely. of the mindset that we have to hold to ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, hopefully that, uh, yeah, actually, that answers I was just your question. Wondering. Yeah, it did. It did. This is my podcast now. I asked the questions here. I'm <laughs> this the is the John now. Case podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys are tuning into the John Case podcast uh, featuring Everyday Citizens Tactical. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast that I stole. No, that was a good question, though. Um, I think a lot of guys kind of... They get they, they kind of get bummed out. They're like, man, I've been training with these guys for two years now. I haven't got to shoot any rebel commies in the face. You know, blah 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 blah. But like, that's you cool. That's that's cool. You know, it's you. I like warm showers and cold beer on demand. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff is enjoyable to me. Um, and I don't think it's a lot of like bro vets on the internet are like, you don't know what war's like, like people understand what war is like you know there is a bit of a glorification and desensitization sorry words are hard Um, I'm sure everybody knows what I mean Uh, there's a desensitization to what conflict truly is but everybody understands that that kind of stuff sucks Uh, in my mind just seeing the direction that the way in the way the country is going, whether it's economically, politically, socially, whatever it might be, uh, I'm always of the mindset of I'd rather just get it done sooner than later. Um, some guys have kids right now, like you know, small children, and they're like, "Oh, this is a horrible time." Um, but to me, it's kind of like for those that don't know, this podcast is being recorded right at the end of May right now. So the whole issue with the defaults and the debt ceiling has not come to conclusion yet. But for like for me, I would rather us just default now and get this issue over with and try to make better financial decisions moving forward and create a better economy afterwards than for it to happen in 10 or 12 years when I'm more settled into a life with more economic responsibilities and kids and all that kind of stuff. And it's just going to be even worse then because we're even more in debt and who knows what's going to happen. Um I think a lot of guys get stuck in that kind of like in the waiting game mindset. Like, when's it going to happen? Like, yeah, it's going to eventually happen, but none of us know when it is going to happen, whatever it is. Yeah. All you can do is uh, prepare for it. It's all you can really do in the end. It's just prepare and hope that you're somewhat ready uh, when the time comes. Are you somewhat ready? Because I'm not somewhat ready. I mean, I'm not all the way ready. No one's going to be all the way ready. So. It's... The best you can do. It's funny because I was actually talking and or thinking about that very much recently. So today, before this podcast, and the second I got off from the firehouse, I went to the gym after work. And then as soon as I got home from the gym, from then until we started this podcast, so probably you know five hours worth, I have been like going through all of my preps in every single room of the house and just like taking notes and like taking it all in and trying to like figure out where my gaps are and everything. I've got a lot of shit cause I've been a prepper for a really long time. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, I, I have probably more diverse preps than a lot of dudes, but at the same time, I, I don't feel ready. Like I, I just constantly like, damn, I got a gap here. I got a gap here. Well, I had this, but this is expired. It's not, it's like, it's a never ending process. You, you start with a really simple mindset. You're like, oh, I just need some food, some way to collect water, blah, blah. And then you're like, well, then I need this. Then I need to be able to sustain this. And then I need this. And it's just, it never ends. You're always just constantly expanding. 
I think uh, we need to realize that the end goal isn't to be surviving, I guess, in that sense. Like, I don't I don't be stuck surviving, fighting for our lives for the rest of my life. And let's say the next couple of years and shit happens, per se, if that does happen. Like, I enjoy my life right now. I mean, shit still sucks sometimes, but life isn't hard, necessarily. Not saying, like, my life is super easy or I'm trying to say, like, oh, my life's better than anyone else's. But my end goal is not to be stuck in a survival mode 24-7, if that makes sense. Yeah. Bear, from Bear Independent, he he owns Refuge Medical, if you're familiar with them. He has the saying, uh, sustain normalcy for those around you. So basically, the, the sense... The art, the art of prepping is to how can I best replicate my everyday life now when shit goes wrong? And he always like clarifies, he's always like, nothing's going to be the same way it is now when shit goes wrong. But can you at least mimic it to some degree? Can you not be in just constant survival and fight mode? Um, yep. I agree with that, that. That's definitely, definitely important. I think, yeah, prepping prepping just never ends. It's like if you're really into gardening and whatnot. Um, like I, I absolutely love gardening. I love growing food, but like I just constantly keep coming up with projects for myself. Like I'm never satisfied. I just That's expand good, though. and expand and expand. It is, but it's not good for my wallet. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's that too. But money might not matter eventually, so whatever. Yeah, that's why I kind of feel like uh, this is probably terrible investment advice, but I invest in tangible things that I could trade or rather than putting it in the stock market, I guess you could say. Yeah. I'd rather have things I can use. Sure. Because the, the internet's going to go down or something like that. Yeah, I have. Um, like, I, yeah. I can. I, I can publicly say that my savings account is not very impressive uh but i do have a very extensive garden and chickens and dry food preps and comms equipment and just like i i agree with you i i i would rather somebody invest in a ton of tangible stuff than have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars tied up in stock with no preps like having having thousands of dollars in stocks and rental properties and all this kind of stuff is great until that stuff doesn't matter at all anymore. Agreed. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't do that kind of stuff, but if you're the type of person you're listening and you're like, yeah, I've got you know fourteen thousand dollars tied up in stocks, and then I've got another twenty two thousand in my four hundred one k, and I have this rental property I'm working on right now. But I have a very basic AR build with no plate carrier, or you have a plate carrier with no plates, and you have zero food, zero sustainment gear for your vehicle, no comms equipment. You're just kind of like, yeah, I've got my rifle. Like that does you and those in your life no good. Because really, at the Bro, end of I day, could just steal it from someone though. Oh, dude, I hate, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that so much. Because there are people like in my life, like at work or whatever, that like do have that mindset that like, yeah, when I need something, I'm just gonna start taking it from other people. I'm like, that's gonna work until it doesn't. And that's also a bad mindset to hold yeah, because now you're letting morality. your morals go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I write. Uh, oh, good. If you if you are of the mindset and understanding that a catastrophe may occur, and I'm responsible for my wife and my child, but instead of taking the action now to better provide for them and not put my life in danger, I'm literally going to just completely negate that responsibility, and I'll take whatever I need if I need it. That's just that's that's so arrogant to me i don't understand how you i don't understand how you truly sit down you're like this is a good plan and historically speaking doing that is not a good way to sustain yourself if you're like a raider like you're just gonna raid everyone or like ambush people and take their stuff that's not a good way to sustain yourself yeah uh, historically speaking i read this in the book about logistics and gorilla 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 logistics specifically from the thesis from colonel whatever his name, Colonel C, we'll say, because I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, they also su- successful guerrilla operations require support by the indigenous pe- people, so your community within the area of the operation for success. So maintaining popular support for the community is necess- a necessity to sustain any type of operations long term. So you have to be resourceful, creative, and cunning to support yourselves. Does not mean you need to 99% or 100% of the time rely on taking it from, quote, the enemy. Uh, you kind of have to support yourselves in that aspect and gain the support of your local community in general to be successful. And I'm not saying, like, we're doing guerrilla warfare against someone, but taking that principle from guerrilla logistics, I think, is kind of applicable to sustaining your community through that means or through your team through that means sure uh, that's why like knowing your neighbor knowing your local po- politicians i think you talked about that in the last podcast or that pennsylvania one and that's it's important and that's also you know all the more reason to you know organize with like-minded guys is that yeah you guys may not you know bring all 12 dudes plus family to make some hundred person compound in the community but in the event that the rule of law is gone and, you know, there's this group of four or five dudes that are running around the community and just breaking into guys' houses or stealing from stores or doing whatever. You know, in reality, you know, rule of law is gone. You know, there's no government to hold them accountable or government's not strong enough to hold those people accountable. You and the 12, 13, or even more people that have banded to your cause, you know, when guidance is needed, you know, you stepped up and provided a way forward. You now Agreed. go forward and deal with with that problem in, in in force in a larger number. You're no longer a single individual trying to defend yourself from the raiders. You're a strong banded community now defending yourself and your families and your livelihoods. Because like yeah, criminal just... like when all this when everything ever goes to fall apart, and one day it will at some point in time. Criminal organizations and whatnot are going to run rampant, especially if you live anywhere in like the southern twenty or so states of the, uh, of the United States. Like the cartel is in the U.S. and it is a concern, especially if you live in a border state. But even if you live from like Kentucky, Oklahoma, Virginia, and down, like the cartel is still all up in there in, in urban areas. So you know there there will be a power vacuum that will be filled. Whether you're prepared to deal with that or not is something you should definitely talk about amongst your guys. Yeah, and I think another thing that no one really talks about 
it kind of goes with like growing your own food, but being able to make your own stuff, having the tools and equipment to work on your vehicles, to work on like uh, your infrastructure. Like if you have like if my generator breaks, how am I going to fix that? Do I have extra parts for that? Um, yeah. So things like that, be able uh, to furnish your own materials. Uh, granted, that's beans or bullets, so should be able to do both. As I say, without without some sort of structure in society and like legitimate businesses continuing to move, there really in modern day there really is no way to like make your own supplies to then create stuff. Like nobody, like none of us. I mean, it'd be really cool if we did. But I, I can pretty much promise you that's not going to happen. None of us are going to create textile machines, so we can continue to make shirts and stuff. Yeah. None of us know how to weld and mold car parts on demand to like fit the part that we need for our vehicle or anything like that. It's like, though there is a there are steps you can take to better prepare yourself to sustain your equipment and whatnot. I think the reality of the world that a lot of people don't think about is that the world that we live in is not anywhere close to natural or sustainable at, to, to any extent. It's like, very fragile. Like if we just shut down factories and quit mass producing, every, everything stops. There's no more jeans. There's no more uh, oil for your car. No there more is cry no pants. More. There's no more cry pants. What are we going to do without more cry pants? I mean, all this stuff is know. all this stuff is gone. Um, and that's when everybody starts wearing the same pair of pants for their entire life. That's why just everybody like my grandpappy. To, just like your grandpappy. That's why everybody used to own pretty much nothing, and now we all have houses full of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're going to be able to furnish, like, build a nuclear reactor or something, but that'd be cool. Being able to work on your own stuff, I think, is important. Oh yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. Granted, it's not going to be sustainable forever, but it'll get you through the, that's one the times thing, you need them. That's one thing I've always found funny like about like about apocalyptic movies, like even like Mad Max or something, is that there's always like just factions of people that are like, I'm just going to make all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't think that would happen in real life. <laughs> like, How do they have so much gas for these high horsepower vehicles with like superchargers and turbos and stuff? And Yeah, like it's, it's like all... Like monster big block chevy v8s or something like i don't understand <laughs> How, like where do they get the tires from too they making their own tires yeah they making their own tires they make their, their own air compressed air compressed air like the fill of the tires you know so it's one guy's billet to fill all tires by mouth hey that's an engineering slot he works <laughs> on all the vehicles all the vehicles you know how to change oil all right you're an engineer go ahead you're an engineer <laughs> that's what one of the it? uh yeah go ahead what is uh obviously you've been in the quote unquote community, the Instagram community, uh, for a, the, a few years now, and you've seen the growth since 2020. What would you say some of the most important changes you've seen people kind of start to make, or at least start to talk about, uh, that's affected things positively? Um. <laughs> You mean not recce builds like every other week? Uh, I think the mindset that being a lone wolf is a detriment and that being on a team or group, what have you, 
is more important is is very important and i think people's mindset are coming coming towards that more that we need each other humans are made to be lone wolves we're made to be part of a pack a community mm -hmm. uh so i think that's probably the biggest positives i've seen in my time of community i would agree it's more than just a flat range doing uh one hour reloads i guess yeah it's crazy like how just even let's just take 10 years 2013 to now like in 2013 like during like the obama administration and the tail end of that like it was super super cringy to basically like be in what was then just called the militia there like you just had militias there was no like really mag groups at that time or like minutemen groups or like anything like that or even just groups without name like you just had a bunch of like random militia groups and though they were kind of cringy and they were just made of like old fuddy type folks it's crazy to think like that's where we were then and that's where we are now where like there are hundreds i guarantee you there are hundreds if not thousands of just small you know squads platoon sized groups of dudes just everywhere some are some are popular some guys you know run social media accounts and try to inspire others and post education and whatnot but then there's just an obnoxious amount more groups that just have zero social media presence those are the smart ones <laughs> <laughs> not saying i like i think that's your purpose of being on social media is to inspire the guys and to put out good information because that's my biggest thing mm -hmm. is i kind of use it as a tool right to like find other guys but to inspire and to have guys become creative and not be afraid of going out of their way to talk to dudes mm -hmm. to make friends make a team make a mag whatever you want to call it i mean um, reaper reaper one ones talked about it and like the many things he's talked about in like or in uh, regard to like guerrilla warfare but like pr you know public relations and just the de the the normalization of this kind of stuff all of that is important it's like yeah it probably is better opsec wise to have no social media presence and not post about this stuff at all but there has to be some guys to do it to make it more normal and inspire other dudes to do new stuff or do things better or however that might be because there are tons of groups out there that aren't being led by like very experienced and well-driven veterans that have done this kind of stuff in the past some dudes are just groups of civilians who are of tons of different random occupations and they're just figuring out as they go and then you know, having guys to either look up to or learn from or however you want to put it from social media helps build the movement, build the community more and more and more. And hopefully, like, in the end, that that's what really helps us. I think some of the bigger, like, I mean, huge social media accounts need to do a better job of spreading that it's a good idea to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Like, I know a lot of the guys who get out of the military, like the guys that I've talked to or, like, trained with, they kind of miss, like, that brotherhood, right? Yeah. Of, um, I don't know if, how long you've been out for? Uh, I got out March 2020. Okay, so, you kind of, do you kind of, do you agree with that sentiment of, like, you kind of miss that brotherhood you had? I don't know it, how your career went, but. If I wasn't A, in the firehouse, or B, because, like, right after I got out of the Marine Corps, I started with my local guys and found buddies and all that. So like, I've just continued to do that kind of stuff with all of these guys 
since like the minute I got out. But if I if I didn't have that, I definitely would be missing stuff a whole lot more. And even still now, like I miss, you know, the guys, and I miss yeah. being in that environment more and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I agree, and I think a for some reason some people get when they get really really big on social media, they they stray away from topics that they may even agree with because they want to maintain kind of that. Um, center line, being able to reach gross. everybody and just have more. Yeah, gross. Just be strong with your convictions. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a politician. Like the center line guys, like they're trying to grab yep. both like Democrat and Republican votes. The guy, Instagram guys, not everyone, but some are, are just like that too. Like there's certain stuff they won't talk about. They won't go so far in this direction or that direction or they won't talk about their experience in the military and what they learned in this topic because they think it's secretive and guys from their community will call them, you know, whatever name and blah, blah, blah. Not everybody. Have, that's not everybody, yeah. but there, there is some extent to that still around. Have you seen big pages post or not even just like Instagram pages, but like like big pages, like post wrong information. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. So and I, and I normally this, will not comment like in any confrontational way whatsoever. Not even if it's like a productive um like correction in a sense or just trying to display my opinion, specifically just because I don't want to increase the chances of my account getting deleted at all. <laughs> so I won't name any names specifically, because this this was posted a while ago. Mm-hmm. Just just an example that you need to vet not just only vet, but like not vet like who's teaching this stuff, but like go out and do your own research too to see if it lines up with doctrine. Mm-hmm. Because there was a social media post uh, teaching small unit tactic thing. I won't go to specifics. I don't want to get anyone mad about at me for this. Um, but it was wrong. Basically, they just taught it. They kind of mixed things up by accident. I don't know mm-hmm. if they necessarily meant to post wrong information, but I think they mixed up two different things when they posted this video and this page is uh, huge right uh-huh. so you just got to be careful sometimes with what you read on the internet like i know it's like basic or like you should understand that like common sense to be careful what you read but even like even like the big guys will get stuff wrong sometimes so just be careful what you're reading and uh fact checked uh not like facts but like just go back and like trust but verify is like mm-hmm. what we like to say, right? So, and you know, just understand that having a huge following means a ton of eyes are on you, and that you're whether you intend to do so or not, you're setting an example and you are influencing other people. It's so like my biggest thing is like when really big pages, like like the smallest thing, is out of order because the Marine Corps broke my mind. Like if guys' <laughs> uh, pack straps are like three foot long, like they're not managed at all. And they just you just have packs. Oh, they're just, just dangling. Yeah, they're just dangling all over you. Like I see that immediately, and I kind of like, I now I'm right. I'm kind of. That's I'm when done. you grab it when you're on patrol and just yank them. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm I'm done reading scroll. Like, remember that your appearance says a lot about you. That's um, true. Professionalism, looking professional. Professionalism. Yeah. Looking like you know what you're talking about. Play you the. Can, you can. Play the part. No. You know, across a wide range of topics everything under the sun for forever and ever and ever but if you just 
don't look the part and present yourself in a respectable manner or you constantly um, you know, do anything in that regard, then I'm not going to want to listen to what you have to say. You're never, you're never going to get me past the point of not seeing you as unprofessional to, to know that, okay, he actually does know what he's talking about. He just, for whatever reason, is all messed up in his appearance. Yeah, someone might just uh, scroll by because, like, oh, this guy looks like a bag of dicks or something. Yeah, if you write a big five-paragraph post, but, you know, you just look goofy as hell in your Instagram picture that you used for this educational post, I'm, I'm just going to be like, oh, all right, never mind, scroll. That's why you still steal one from the internet. Don't even use your own picture. <laughs> I'm sorry, post, post random pictures that are not even me. Or, like, Photoshop myself on there, like in the background or something. Yeah, I was there. Dude, you're wearing a coat and everyone else is in... Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, man. Social media is... Social media is an, is an interesting place. I've met tons and tons of cool people. Um, I like I like writing posts and I like developing content. Like, I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if it, if it wasn't for the business, if it wasn't for ECT... I don't know if I would have if I would have ever got back on social media and just kept charging the way that I did. Have you uh, taken a break from it before? Uh, I took when I got deleted in February of 2022, which was my first big delete because I was at like I was that was my first account, um, and I was at like almost six thousand followers on my personal, and the business had like two or three thousand followers, so we were steady rolling. And I got deleted and I stayed off Instagram for like a little over a month. And I came back on and I was on for like 60 days and I got deleted again. And then I stayed off for like another month. And then I came back on a couple more times and I got banned like almost immediately, just like back to back to back to back. Um, so I've taken like a month off or so before, but like while my account is up, no, I've never just like taken a break. Uh, yeah, I took a break, uh, from January to March, like mid-March. It was great. My account got banned, so I took a break. I was like, you know what? All this work I did, it's not worth it right now. Plus, I was PCSing and everything, so... For, for me, I like... Just, just a lot like, going on. I like just, like, documenting what I'm doing on a normal basis. You know, the gym, the garden, gear, like, all that kind of stuff. And just kind of, like... It kind of just is relatable to a lot of guys. It's easily relatable for a lot of guys. And it, you know shows people like what may work what may not work you know so on and so forth i've learned a lot from guys posting their after action reports from their exercises or even going for a ruck or something yeah you can learn a lot those little tidbits help yeah i don't since i've came back onto instagram i don't post much of any of me and my local guys on my accounts or the business account yeah fair enough um there'll be some pictures i use from like trainings that i'll use as like the picture for like an educational post or something but i don't post as much about the group and i think it's just because we're at the point where we're we're growing pretty decently so i'm just trying to take the extra steps to hold some level of security to that yeah yeah um protect your pii and uh, yeah i mean for those that know me in my everyday life like guys know i'm a hooligan 
like even guys at the firehouse though they may not like fully understand like what all i do in my off time like they still know like yeah whatever he does he's about it funny thing is my last command was about it like they put me up for awards stuff because of the stuff i was doing outside of work it's crazy so like some, some commands are about it so yeah some commands are really about it some don't give a damn at all and it would somebody even prefer it you don't do it at all yeah it's just um take those little precautions you got to like don't be posting your name i guess everywhere like only tell like you guys you trust like yeah like invite them to your house unless you trust them like little things common sense yeah and for like for me like at this point you know since i do run a business like Though I've never put my last name out there, like my first name and my face and everything, like that was just one of the things I had to accept a long time ago. Is that if I was going to run a business, my name and face just has to be out there. And that's just kind of how. I it guess is. it's okay for me because being a writer, I guess I can call myself a writer now because I wrote a book. Um, <laughs> that it's okay to use a uh, an alias. A fake name, a pen name, and alias. Yeah, so. Yeah, for but sure. it's funny because like the people who actually know me in real life, like they know like I wrote that book or something. And they don't go around like, "Hey, his name is Bleep or something." So I try. I'm thankful for those guys too, guys and girls. Yeah, if I ever if I did it all over and I didn't move forward with like pushing ECT as a business and I just ran my personal account, just posted education and cool guy pics and all that kind of stuff, uh, I would probably. I would probably blur my face. Blur your face, put some uh, red X's over your eyes. Yeah, something like that. Something makes me look real cool. Like when Spirit I change, is blurred. When I change oh, yeah. like, the, the filter. <laughs> Use the uh, T-Rex <laughs> arms filter. Yeah, just be real blue all the time. Another thing, this is kind of like random. Uh, a lot of dudes don't want to like chat, I guess, on Instagram just like, uh, not saying that you and I have never like talked before on Instagram. Mm. Uh, this one time, I just went out of my way to like talk to some random page or like dude. He wasn't like extremely popular or anything. I was just, like, "Hey, dude, what's up? Like, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm. Like, kind of interested like in your content and just trying to like make more friends on the internet. I guess mm. you could say. Um, like Tyler and I, or you don't know who Tyler's uh, the Longhouse podcast. Yeah. And he, coniferous uh, coniferous right he deleted his page um yeah why do you do that for uh i think he i don't remember if he told me specifically or he posted it it was mostly he just wanted to focus on the podcast it's fair and kind of like merge the ideas together i guess but i don't want to speak for him necessarily but i think that's what it was so yeah. if you want to know go to the longhouse podcast and ask him specifically why he deleted his page but that's kind of my understanding Gotcha. Anyway, he wanted to focus on his business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish dudes would do that more, like go out of the way and like kind of like make friends because yeah. then we can build a rapport of cross training and stuff like that, which I think is important. Yeah. I mean, Not I'm getting glad. stuck in your little limited scope of the guys around you. Uh, that's how I've, I mean, for, uh, I'm not like an influencer by any means. I don't have that many followers, but like, I, I will very gen- I will very generally just like talk to just about anybody that messaged me. There may be eventually a point where like I stop messaging you back because like you're just just that conversation isn't like like productive in any or, like, sense. Like forcing it. Yeah, like it's being forced. Like 
Like, I don't want to talk about, like, the chips you had at lunch. Like, like you're cool. All you internet strangers are cool, but, like, I can't I can't message, you know, 60 people a day about your lunch. <laughs> like, like if, you, if you send me a question, like, hey, man, you made this comps post the other day. Can you explain some stuff to me? Like, yeah, like, I'll talk you through some stuff, and we can yeah. chat. Oh, you're from here? That's cool. Do you know this page? And blah, blah, blah. But, like, I think that's some, some things that some people don't understand is, like, there, there does have to be a some limit to what you talk to internet strangers about. Yeah, obviously, OPSEC, etc. And OPSEC, yeah. And some guys, yeah, some guys just don't want to talk on Instagram, like, at all. They're like, too they cool. Wanna... Well, they're either too cool or, like, guys that, like, don't post anything. Um, they, like, don't want to associate their accounts with, like, any of that kind of stuff. Like, that kind of DM traffic. I guess that kind of suit you, man. Uh I thought that was where you were going with this originally until you started talking more. I was like, oh, that's not what he meant. No, 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 no. I just want like this to be more friendly. Sure. Not getting stuck in your little niche so of dude, what you're doing, what you're teaching, moment. Your training. Lucas from TRX Arms followed my account after talking with them oh, hell yeah. some, some LSW stuff. And I was like, damn, that's nifty. Yeah, he, I think he, uh, fuck, I don't want anyone to get mad at me. I think he could do more. I know he does a lot. But I think he could step it up a little bit. Uh, like mainly, everyone you, should like like build like a more, uh, like building a team stuff like that. Like I don't has he posted really anything about training uh, with other guys? Like I think they did that one video where they did the they did the bounding drill with the vehicles, right? That was well, a while ago though. He hasn't, but his brother Isaac, um, he talks about a fair amount of like that kind of stuff in the t-rex talks and like stuff like that um yeah that's the shit i like <laughs> i mean i do too but at the same time you also have to i guess like recognize I, you as an individual have to recognize and understand like where your level of expertise are in a sense because like if you ever like look at his stories and stuff like that like he's always all about you know, like guys getting together and training together and preparing and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm but not like, saying he's he doesn't think that we should do that. Yeah, uh, I guess I, I just like, I wish he posted more content of like him training with other guys. I thought it'd be cool. I think there that'd be inspiring. See, I've always thought about that too. I think I think there's just a big old T-Rex Arms community that like the actual community, like the guys that work there and whatnot, and they're all just like big old preppers and they train together and they do all this crazy stuff. But I think for like the OPSEC security, since he has such like a overview on him, he's like, yeah, that makes I'll just sense. I'll just kind of stick to my content. Because like even like like if you watch Grand Thumbs videos, he's always talking about you know getting out in your kit and training yeah. and yes. training with guys and whatnot. But you never see him with his crew. You know he's got a crew. Yeah, it's just those uh, gun review videos or something. Yeah, I miss the OG videos of him. Yeah, with his little green screen in his house. See, I though though I liked those his like uh um the videos he did like how to survive in the mountains or survive whatever those mm-hmm. whatever those urban and mountain survival videos like I like those videos. That's my jam. Those things that like you turn on for like thirty five minutes. And he just talks about like a wide range of stuff. That's what I like. I've never really been yeah. like a big gun review person. Well, I don't like. Okay, I, I guess I probably should have clarified a little bit. I like those videos too, mm. uh, but I was kind of referring to his uh, his little TTPs about like helmet setups, like play carrier setups, stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of like overtalked, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I like those videos because that's kind of what got me into this. Mm-hmm. Like my friend got me 
into like this like my coworker, and i like surpassed him by like a thousand times percent after he introduced me to grantham uh so yeah i, I, I mean you. thanks to, thanks to that guy for getting me into this stuff but uh i enjoyed those like little videos of because i didn't know anything like and maybe he's not like the expert in it but he at least got me to a baseline of sure. like what stuff i need or how I how do I set up a play carrier? How do I set? How do I wear my place properly? Stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like those uh, surviving videos he posts, like the urban combat and the um, the mountain one, mm-hmm. the mountain series. So yeah, well, he's doing a good job with that in that sense of like, hey, you should actually be going out and training mm-hmm. these things. I guess that's kind of his little niche, though. He's got to make money somehow. So yeah. I really like S2 Underground's channel. That is also a good one. That he, is a damn good one. And he talks long about videos, stuff a lot. But there's so much good information in there. Yeah, for sure. I know he's busy as all hell because he recently moved. But I would love to see, like, if, like, he posted, like, weekly content. Oh, that would be awesome. Do you know, his, is he just, like, an Intel troop? Right? Because uh, he's S2? I don't know what... His back. I'm guessing he's an Intel guy yeah, he's, from all, he's, all the videos he posts about. Yeah, he's said that he was formal Intel of some sense, but I don't want to... I could not speak on it intelligently because I just don't remember off the top of my head, so I, I couldn't tell you oh, neither do I. what he did. Did I just like, dox him? I just yeah, guessed. That's, <laughs> that's just, he's probably going like, to hack our computers just talking about it right now. Dude, can you give me like a million dollars if you hack my computer? <laughs> um, what's, another, what's another really good channel? That talks about. Like, I like uh, stuff. uh, what the f- dirty civilian is that what it's called? They just started not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Have you heard of them? Yep, I've, I have, I am familiar with Drew and Dirty Civilian. I like their goat video, <laughs> the goat and the chicken video. That was so good. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, the homesteading. Yeah, I like that. Um, that was a great video. I don't know. It's really entertaining, but it's also like very informative. That's like a good um, good like base or principle of like when you post social media to be entertaining but also very informative engaging to your your viewer content aside their production quality is really really good yeah it's just me and my iphone so do that i've said that for 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 three years now pretty much until recently right actually did one very awkward photo shoot with one of my local guys who brought his camera over I have created every single piece of content on my iPhone. Every That's picture has been taken. Every video has been taken. All the editing, always done on my iPhone. Isn't it wild how much we can do on like a little computer? Just yeah. Like that? It's amazing. Everything, everything for the business, iPhone. Not only you can post this stuff, but you can also, the internet, right? You can find everything out yeah. there. If you it's, really want to know something, you'll find it on the internet. Mm-hmm. For sure. But then again, like I said, trust but verify. Some stuff is going to be wrong. Yeah. And not everyone's going to agree with my book on my tactics, but yeah, I. F- f- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got to the reactive contact part. He's like, "Fuck this. This is wrong. <laughs> this he has is... no machine gun in this setup. <laughs> Fuck." So you say machine gun, but let's talk about this. How do you feel about the the more recent discussions on like LSWs and the automatic riflemen amongst civilians? I think I posted about that on my first account. Did you? About. Yeah, so people started stealing my picture from it, too, I remember. It was a picture of a fire team 
Yeah, I don't even know where it is now. Because I, I make the pictures on my Photoshop, and then I never save them. So I have no idea where it went. I just, like, export it, and then it's lost. Anyway, <laughs> the picture was, like, example fire team setups. Of what, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Post. Remember that? It was, like, the drone operator. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, I called it the automatic rifleman. Yeah. Because uh, that... What is it? What is it called in the Marine Corps? I I A R. Uh, I mean, they're still automatic riflemen. Like some like kind of like baseline. They're called like I A R gunners. Yeah. So what you're asked what was the question again? Sorry. So just yeah, just what was your thought on like the more recent uh, implementation of like the automatic rifleman role and like guys starting to build out LSWs more and stuff like that? So from a doctrine standpoint from talking to other guys about utilizing the suppression right that's what they're looking for for that rate of fire sustainably or like logistically speaking it's not very sustainable cuz we don't have like say i mag dump two drum mags all right i just shot 120 rounds uh, how many drum mags do i got or how much ammo do i have on me right now like it's smart thinking tac- tactically speaking uh, but I think suppression by accuracy would be more viable. So having guys with uh, like uh, fuck, how do I explain it? Guys with like powered uh, optics, and even though I, I mean, it's kind of funny because I'm kind of contradicting myself because I wrote about it, or not wrote about it, but I posted about it, saying like, hey, this is kind of viable using a drum mags or. Because that's more feasible. To have. Who sells those? Was it 18-inch uppers or 16-inch uppers with uh, the uh, M60-looking bipods? Uh, well, you know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, with the M60 bipods, that's climb machining. That's who made my buddies, uh, LSW. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, fuck, I, I, I forgot the question was, but... <laughs> well, I guess... I think, yeah, maybe. So, I think in order to, like, truly be able to give, like, a an answer and opinion on it. I guess it would really vary depending on who you were referencing because like the, the definition of a light support weapon is, and I'm butchering this, but shortened is to provide uh, sustainable amounts of accurate suppressive fire. So like too many people think of LSWs as machine guns and like, Oh, I can just dump rounds to make suppressive fire. But in reality, like your LSW is still somewhat of a accurate weapon. You're just f- using it at higher rates of fire in a suppressive manner. And I guess I guess there's I guess it's too new of a topic for people to truly understand like the implementation of the LSW because it is supposed to be the most sustainable oh. weapon amongst a small force because it utilizes the same caliber and the same magazine method as even the riflemen's within the squad. Okay, so maybe I could change my mindset from what I just cuz you you kind of gave the same as gave the same exact definition I just found when I looked it up real quick. Mm-hmm. It says the LSW is designed to provide small units with a high volume of accurate support fire without increasing the logistical load. Exactly what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same caliber. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably just talking on my ass then, but it just got to be mindful of like how much. I mean, you're probably if you're in a gunfight, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably you're probably not worried about the long term effect of shooting a lot. You're just more worried about the short term effect of not dying. Um, I don't see it as a hindrance. Yeah. In 
for tactics speaking, I guess. Um, but if that is the principle, if you're actually using it for the accurate support fire uh, I think it also without increasing logistical load. I think it also depends a lot on who is implementing it because a lot of guys that don't like the LSW think of it from like a conventional perspective that like they're like way out in the middle of nowhere and they need now just like an obnoxious amount of 5.56 to feed this LSW. When in reality, like from our perspective, from the civilian perspective, you're thinking of it from more of a guerrilla aspect on your home turf. Hence, in the aspect of guerrilla warfare, you have caches staged throughout your home turf, which then feeds your guerrilla logistics system. So unless this is just like an absolutely obnoxiously prolonged conflict, which could either boost or shrink your caches, you know, the thought process of, man, where am I going to get 5.56 isn't as much of a concern. Now, if you left your home turf and say you went like a state away to do X, Y, Z, yeah, now you don't have the, that same logistics in place. So I guess it really comes down to what kind of logistics are you surrounding your LSW with? So then it would have to be 5.56. Is that what we're kind of getting at? Uh, I would say for to be a like, true LSW. Well, not necessarily, but for, like for the American perspective, yeah. Like a, if your group of guys predominantly runs AR-15s, you probably run 5.56. Hence, your LSW needs to be 5.56 because your small unit supports the LSW. Now, if you're in a different country, or you know, you just happen to be a part of the United States, where like you run uh, 7.62 by 39, like the majority of your group runs AK variants, then uh, you know, like an RPK or something is going to be, you know, better for you. The guy in our group that runs the LSW, he originally had a 7.62 by 39 RPK, but everybody in the group runs AR. So he sold his RPK and built the 5.56 LSW. That way the group itself could sustain the LSW. So it's all about what that you should match your LSW to the, uh, build of your general purpose rifleman so pretty much 556 yeah yeah it was a really long explanation of me telling you 556 yeah (laughs) no i get it i get it it makes sense to me uh some guys don't like like a lot of so what's so what's the what's the uh, downside to this lsw besides the fact you might be expending more rounds than your typical ar i guess i don't really yeah, because well, no one's going to have a full auto one legally. So, uh, yeah. So the downside, obviously, being it does not, uh, it's you're going to spend a whole lot more rounds, obviously, because you're you're picking up you know a higher rate of fire. Um, but besides that, besides being able to apply higher rates of fire to like um, larger troop formations, uh, light armored to no armored vehicles, you're really not gaining any capability to the group. Like even if we're talking about like implementing two forties into a group, you're you're adding a higher capability, uh, you know, to that small unit. Whereas with the LSW, you're only adding so much, and that's why every time I talk about the LSW or I post about the LSW, I constantly reiterate that this is not a machine gun. Its target precedence does not match a machine gun. Its caliber um, capability does not match a machine gun. So you're gonna have to realize that. Though the LSW is a great tool to the guerrilla force, it is limited still, nonetheless. Um, 
and also if you're not using a specifically um, like a custom made uh, high round, high tempo capable barrel, like from Klein Machining or uh, some of the other companies that are making LSWs now, if you're just using a standard 5.56 barrel, you're going to go through 5.56 barrels like a mofo, which means more logistics, which means more parts break. You know, your standard 5.56 barrel is not going to take, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds in a very, very short time period like that. It's just not made to keep up with that demand. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes nor sense is, to me. So what are, nor is your gas system. And that's another big thing you gotta think about is your gas system. Your gas system isn't made for you to lay down four hundred rounds in three minutes. I mean it, it can gonna go bye bye. Yeah, it can do that maybe a time or two, but if you expect it to do that for six months straight, it's not gonna do that. But man, I'll just change out my gas tube during the middle of the fight. Yeah, I'll just carry spare ones in my car. So does the does the Klein have like a quick change barrel or something, or is it just a heavy barrel? Uh, it is it is a heavy barrel. They do not have a quick change method, but I'll tell you the barrel on that those LSW builds they are some thick old super barrels. hefty. How long is it? Uh, his you know? yeah, they, I think they normally come in twenty inch, but you can. You could pay a, an extra fee to get it cut down to 18 or I think 16 inches. Like my buddy built an 18 inch, so he paid the little extra fee. But in gotcha. stock, they normally come 20 inch. So I guess the other thing people are worried about is the weight necessarily because now you got to carry a longer gun, I guess. And we got to carry a longer gun, we got to carry a bigger gun um, on top of having to carry a lot more ammo. Because you got to think if you're going to truly implement an automatic rifleman, he's not carrying you know, six plus one or seven plus one, like the rest of your riflemen are, he's carrying anywhere from 10 to 14 mags with probably like a D60 or a KCI 100 starting off in, in the rifle. Or he's carrying saw pouches and he's got multiple D60s stored in different yeah. places. <laughs> I think that was the principle I posted was that he carries, fuck, I don't remember how many D60s, but every other rifleman was carrying a D64 that for him. Yeah. I mean, so spreading if, out the uh, ammo. Yeah, and if you're going to implement, you know, the automatic rifleman or the LSW gunner, depending on what you call it, into your um, into your unit, that means that at the bare minimum, that fire team that that LSW gunner finds himself in, that fire team has to then support that LSW guy. You know, the good go-to is to either carry a spare D60 or carry two extra loaded mags a person. Now that LSW guy has all the mags in his pack, all the mags on his... Um, LBE or plate carrier chest rig, depending on what he's wearing, but he's also got six more coming from his fire team. So. That's true. Oh, what? So, that you don't have to tell me if it's OPSEC or something, but I just wondering, like, what optic does he have on it? Does he have a suppressor on it? Um, uh, does he have, like, anything else on it? Uh, he is running... I mean, it's on my page, so it's not really, you know... Oh, okay. He's running the ACOG with the RMR top mount. Okay. That's I figured is going to be probably a fixed. Yeah, which I think well, that's smart though. That's smart though. That thing's a tank. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably best. That three X or four X fixed magnification is really good when you're trying to punch out, you know, hundred yards or more. But having that RMR because, you know, in reality, that person still has to be able to shoot in and around vehicles, shoot room to room, whatever that might be. You know, in your neighborhoods, you're not taking three 400 yard shots you're taking like 50 75 yard shots like you're trying to defend your neighborhood from something or you know whatever you're trying to do 
But I can't do CQB with an 18-inch barrel, man. You better figure it out. <laughs> it's like I always say, you better, the be, Palooza. better be a big, strong boy. Is he a big guy? Oh, yeah, he's a big dude. What about even, the civilian even, saw? Um, I don't like the idea of the civilian saw. One, because it's not automatic. If you're going to buy it and then make it automatic, that's based. Um, but don't I... Shoot my dog. Don't shoot my dog. I would rather see people carry an LSW from the civilian perspective than the saw. Because, you know, we're talking about barrels and links and all that kind of stuff when we're talking about the saw and you're probably we're talking about a group that's funding itself or a single individual that's funding himself you don't have a ton of support in regards to that weapon system whereas not only does you know the most common rifle in america uh an ar-15s you can find spare parts anywhere you know the group if you're smart the group is putting some sort of supplies to the side to support the common weapon system all that kind of stuff so i would rather see civilian groups carry an lsw they carry the civilian saw. So what is your... I'm just picking your brain right now. Sure. What does your uh, squad, your rifleman squad, or your rifle, or your squad in general look like with an LSW? You got two, you got three, you got one each fire team, or one? Uh, What's your... Uh, if, you ask, if you ask my buddy, he would like to see an LSW in every fire team. However, when he okay. built his LSW, it inspired another guy to build an LSW. So now we're kind of on track to like try and put one in each fire team. I personally okay. don't think the security team needs an LSW. If we're talking about like a three, a three fire team squad, um, you have your assault support and security. I think the support at first, at, at the support needs an LSW. I think the assault needs an LSW because the support obviously is supporting the movement of the assault team on an objective. Or we, we can even think of it in the terms of squads if we're talking about like a platoon, a combat patrol of the platoon size. The support squad or the support fire team is supporting that assault element. So obviously they're going to want capable higher rates of fire. But at the same time, if we look at doctrine, in the event that something goes wrong, the assault element is supposed to be able to support itself if the support element otherwise becomes occupied. Like say the security element picks up on something uh, there's you know some sort of enemy movement coming into the area, and the, the security element can't hold them off on their own. Well, that support element now has to shift fire and um, take support away from the current assault. To talk about you know closing off that area to further enemy movements, and then the assault needs to support itself. So then it's nice for that LSW guy to also be in that squad and be able to pick up that rate of fire for that uh, for that element. I hope that guy in the assault element is good cardio. Yeah, and and good cardio. (laughs) The security (laughs) element, I don't really see the need for it. Because, like, for me, if I have a squad, my security element is, you know, hanging out towards the rear. The medic uh, or the RO, depending on what's going on, might be hanging out near the security guys. Like, they're not, you know, they're not, their first priority is not laying down just a ton of fire they are literally just area security for the assault that is taking place so that's just my opinion you know if you think that your security element should have uh an lsw or an mg or whatever you have at your at your disposal sure i mean yeah if you've got the resources for it and you have a way to implement it yeah it's fine but i personally don't see a reason for everybody to have an lsw i could see having one in each fire team the only example I can really think of is just having that security element. Let's say you 
you're doing like an ambush, you have that security element where the most likely path the enemy's going to come towards you, right? They're most likely avenue of approach or direction at least. Let's say they discover the security element. Now at least you have your little buddy pair that has a little bit of more firepower that they can sustain so the other elements can maneuver to help them. But like you said, it's kind of probably going to be like in a... We could war game this all we want, right? Yeah, sure. Um, if you had to ask me, like, should a guy spend $4,500 to build out... $4,500? Yeah, dude. Well, I guess it depends on what kind of LSW you built. Does like, that I'm come just, with an optic? <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, I'm talking optic, IR laser, oh, okay, okay. upper, lower, like the full shebang. Um, but we'll even just throw a number. If you're asking me if you should spend insert amount of money to add a third LSW to your element or you should invest in something that your group does not already have, whether it's a drone, whether you take the initiative to build like some sort of field man pack radio, or you know, maybe you buy some sort of thermal optic because nobody in the group has thermals, but some guys have night vision, like diversify your group's capabilities and just like completely repeat stuff over and over and over again. It's kind of like a segue. Uh, do you guys write out a list of things you need like this is like our priority purchase this is going to be our second priority purchase this is uh, our third yes and that was actually something we just talked about recently at our most recent Abbott meeting was basically like our, our logistics officers like one of his biggest complaints was like hey can we like prioritize what the hell we're going to buy instead of just like shotgunning projects every month and i was like that's a that's a good point so then we can you define what a project means so in your sense Sure. So like a project for us is like one thing, one big thing, especially like when it comes to comms, uh, that I've come to realize is that being able to implement civilian market gear into a more tactical setting is not always possible. Like, for example, like there are no um, commercial uh, secure man pack radios like there's there's just not like how in the in the military you have the 117s and all that kind of stuff right. <clears throat> that, that doesn't exist on the civilian side so we have to take mobile radios that was used for like first responders that uses like aes 256 encryption play you know mix and match with a bunch of different cables and connectors and all that kind of stuff then custom create a frame to put that radio in to then put it into a pack to create a field radio operator setup basically so that that is a project because that there's a ton of moving parts to all that what's the uh the point of this man pack besides having like a let's say like a 152 everyone has a 152 mm -hmm. so the point of the man pack is to be able to stretch uh vhf and uhf comms in a secure okay. manner um I could dive into a shit ton of stuff as far as like the tactical implementation of comms. Um, but obviously VHF and UHF is line of sight and is right. impaired by obstacles. Some VHF will do better in some environments. UHF will do better in other environments, but regardless, it's still impaired by obstacles. You have two ways to overcome that either um, raising your antenna higher off the ground to gain more distance or push more power. So we try to do both of that with man packs and you know properly planned comms windows, but then you also get into the sense of like mobile radios and setting up antenna hills, uh, trying to 
create our own repeater system, like all that kind of stuff goes into play. And, and basically we didn't want to create man packs that were not uh, secure. Like all of our comms infrastructure that we're personally trying to create and build around is all about doing so in a secure manner. Right, you don't want to be paying someone to encrypt your radios. You should be changing your keys yourself. So. Well, yeah, and I mean even I mean even past that. Not not only just the self-sustainable portion of being able to secure our own radios, but just in general for operational security, everything from HF to our VHF to just all of it having the highest level of security that we could possibly obtain. Without so you're so. making your own, basically. Is what you're saying correct yeah you're trying to make your own or that's yeah. your project trying to create your own comms infrastructure and sustainment the fcc's coming for you i'm gonna report you my name is tyler uh, my instagram name is coniferous origins <laughs> coming for the rto <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's exactly why i picked him <laughs> <laughs> smart uh, but yeah I mean just with all of it I don't even remember how do we get on this topic what were we talking about we're talking what about LSWs get... yeah okay and I asked you what projects what do you mean by projects and how all do you right. prioritize uh, buying stuff for your, for your group because okay. I'm learning stuff like this is like what I like to talk about is just like learning all this stuff from other guys because I don't yeah. we don't know what we don't know so yeah, I gotta try know... to figure out the right questions to ask you sure yeah this really is your podcast now <laughs> i think i think it's people will learn a lot of stuff like i'm learning stuff so yeah and that's no, why i already talked about my book i don't care about that let's talk about something important <laughs> and that's why like my page is the, the content like focus is just absolutely everywhere all the time like my page has no one sole purpose it's just what project am i working on this week cool let's talk about it hopefully somebody learns something or i learn something by talking about it Another question. Um, do you guys do your meetings in person or is it on the internet? In person. Okay, cool. And I would I suggest figured. I suggest everybody do them in person. Not only is it better than creating more of a digital footprint, but it's also good just to see people's faces and develop that sense of morale and that sense of uh, you know, basically family yeah, in yeah. a sense. We did just recently start doing like online classes, like to help put in more training hours. It's so, like I'll pick a topic for the night, and we'll do like a Skype uh, conference call. Everybody can come in, and I'll screen share, and we'll like go through a PowerPoint and stuff like that. So you said your business. Um, I guess I'm trying to make you advertise yourself on your own page, um, <laughs> or your own uh, podcast. What like what do you? Uh, what's your? Uh, business about i'm ignorant to this i did not know yet a business i just thought it was like an instagram page to be honest oh you didn't you didn't know it was a business no i just thought it was an instagram page <laughs> i thought you had like your personal one and then this is like your podcast like page or something no, 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 no. The, the podcast I'm came idiot. because my business page like went through so many deletions so i was like man i need more ways to like continue to stay in check with people and whatnot um i'm gonna go on your website right now while we're talking hey, yeah hop on there um, so ECT was basically founded to like normalize the tactical civilian that goes to comms, medical, marksmanship, uh, preparedness, like 
all of it. It, it is literally just a giant uh, do it all, you know, kind of place. Um, our our first class we ever taught was the medical response one class, uh, which is so much more different than like your casual stop the bleed or T triple C class. Like we're trying to change the mindset of the medically responding civilians. We talk about anatomy. We talk about uh, scene safety and like developing the scene. We talk about patient scene care. Safe. What's up? Sorry, my ADHD took over. I said scene is safe. <laughs> yeah, the scene is safe, uh, which came with our first line of products, which was all medical stuff. We have the trauma IFAC, and now we have I see that, I see that. the Swift Dangler, uh, which is super cool. Swift and then, Dangler. Uh, and then I just recently started getting into the radio stuff because I really enjoyed learning all of this radio stuff from other guys on Instagram and self-teaching myself and whatnot. Um, so I was like, well, there's really only one guy, Bush Combs, who's selling these XTS 5000s. He's got more you know, orders to deal with. So I was yeah. like, well, I guess I'll pick up radios too. So we started doing radios and we have some other stuff in the work. And then we also do the defensive pistol one classes now, which again is different from like your normal pistol one class. It's not like a, just an eight hour marksmanship class. It's a, Hey, let's get on the grounds. Let's get behind cover. You know, like let's, Oh, I can't reload out, out outside of cover. No, I wouldn't be able to do it really fast. I just like run at him while I'm reloading to close the distance. (laughs) Right. You need to, it's like, it's call of duty. A shock effect. Like he's really running at <laughs> he me. He just starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you see how charge. Oh, I don't know. That's so funny. But uh, yeah, I just had a funny story real quick. Because uh, I just went to the range with some guys I met here last weekend, and uh, the drill—I forgot what drill we were doing—but I didn't have enough mags for it. So then someone yelled, fixed bayonets, and it just made me laugh so hard <laughs> because I ran out of ammo for the drill. Um, but yeah, that's what it made me think of. Stupid, but I thought that was funny. You're going to start selling bayonets now after this bayonet stock's going up. Bayonets going up. Oh, man. Oh, wow. We've been going for over two hours now. Hell yeah. Nice. This I remember when we hit the hour mark. I was like, "All right, got an hour in," and then I, I feel like I blinked and we did another hour. Modern Minuteman. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about the Minuteman stuff since 2020. Um, yes, I hopefully you don't think I stole that idea from you no, or no, anything. No. That it's, that title. It's, it's not even like my idea. I mean, it's, it's the Modern Minuteman isn't taken by me. Um, my old account, my old business account, like the first one. I had probably like 15 or 20 posts up on like various Minuteman topics and like basically creating groups and organizations and all that. And then when I got deleted, I was like, man, I'm just going to completely change the format of all of this. So what inspired you with the, uh, that name? The, the or where'd you find it from? Like, I don't know where I found it, found it from, to be honest. Let's see. If I remember, there was an old account that used to be called Free Meme Society. And he started posting memes about just, like, random groups of dudes that were basically, like, responding to the BLM protests and Antifa riots and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just talked about the Minuteman. And I was like, I was like, that's that's pretty cool. I was like, that's that's a, I think that's a good way moving forward. Because at that point, Militia was kind of, like, 
kind of a dirty term still. I was like, but Minute Man, that's that's pretty nifty. Based. Based. It's pretty based. So then I just <laughs> As a cool kid say. I just started rolling with it. Um, edited this this Minuteman logo to be like more modern, obviously because it has the AR and whatnot instead of the musket, and then we just went. From oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that where did you find or where did you design it from? I thought it looked from like Fallout or something. That's yeah, what it so, reminded me of. See, the original Fallout one is the lightning bolt, the three stars, and the blaster rifle. Oh, okay, okay. And then when I hell yeah, started, I like it a lot. And then when I originally started posting Miniman content, I made this logo, but I changed the blaster rifle to a musket just to like for the historical sense. And then when I started talking, and then when I changed the kind of like the name of the topic to the modern Minuteman instead of just Minuteman, I changed the musket to the AR. And then it's been like that since like probably like the end of 2021. Okay. Okay. So you've, how long you've been doing this since 2020, you said? Yeah. Because that's when you got out. Yeah, that's when I right. got out. I probably started posting Minuteman content in like September of 2020. Okay. Do you agree with the sentiment? This is off topic again. My ADHD is running rampant right now. Um, that the dudes I've been I've trained with in the past is that the civilian guys are more. I don't want to say like this is like 100 percent accurate, but they are very receptive to criticism and learning and they i guess it's kind of different than me like training another guy in my job who's actually in the military because he has to be there versus training someone who wants to be there so i've always said it that all of the civilians that i train with and i've got some good vets in my group too but the majority of them is civilians i've always said that working with the civilians and training with them and whatnot with the exception of a few guys from the military has always been more enjoyable than training with a lot of guys that did in the military. Cause they just, they, not everybody in the military had the same, like be about it attitude again. Like it's like we talked about earlier. Like some guys just want to do the bare minimum nine to five yep. okay, and they're not even given full effort there. And there's probably, there's probably some person that like I was in the military with right now. that was like, Oh, but you didn't run an 18 minute, three miles. So you're not about it. Like, okay, I can't run very fast. All right, but like, you always found me outside of work, in the gym, at the range, studying. Like, there was a few core group of guys that like that's just what we did, and that's what made the friends group is that we just wanted more all the time. Were you fired in the military too? No, no. I okay, no. I was a uh, embassy security. Oh yeah. What I think I've heard you were on a podcast with someone. I can't remember who it was. I remember you talking about that. Fuck. You probably have not been on a lot of them, so you were like, I don't know. This I'm is probably one think. of them. I'm trying to think. I pretty much that's at the, like the beginning of my intro every single were time. You, so it's kinda of hard to narrow it down. Were you in the Longhouse podcast? Uh I've not ever been on the Longhouse podcast. That'd be cool. But I've not. I'm trying to think of another podcast. I don't really listen to podcasts that much. Uh, I was on um, the po- I was on the Polar Connection. Um. Uh, I was on uh, Misfit Group's podcast. Um, I was on Civil Sentinels podcast. Like a couple. Oh of well, others. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's funny. I don't know why I asked you that because I knew that answer, but I totally forgot. It. Oh, 
Well, I think we could probably start wrapping it up right about here. I think All we've right, yeah. definitely had some very productive conversation. Y'all go buy his book. Link in bio. Yeah, and then give me a one-star review after you buy it. <laughs> Say, this <laughs> book fucking sucks. Report him to Jeff Bezos himself and tell him this book is extremist. <laughs> Get it down. There's no extremist stuff in there. <laughs> oh, dude. It's the, 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 to- the title, though. The, the front the is title. camouflage. Well, the Kim Black goes hard. Don't yeah. at me. That's the thing is, I, I do not like Multicam Black, but it fits this book cover very well. I think I'll just keep using it, or it's I could looks, change it up. We'll it see. looks cool, because you put the white font over it, and it like really makes it stick out, so I like yeah. it. You see the little uh, Sons of Liberty flag on the mm-hmm. side? I did. Yeah. I talk Blurred about it in the next book, yeah. Oh, really? What do the stripes mean? <laughs> what do the numbers mean, Mason? <laughs> <laughs> basically the same thing yeah um, I mean I appreciate you uh, let me come here and talk about everything my little schizo rants for sure what, uh, go ahead and say what your Instagram your new Instagram name is for everybody again oh yeah so it's official John Case so J-O-N-C-A-S-E um, the links to my book and everything are on there so if you just click on my bio you'll see my website and then it should be pretty easy to find the book if you want to buy it if not, all good. If you have bought it already, please leave me a review because it really helps a lot with the algorithm of people searching for stuff on Amazon. Um, thank you for helping me get to the number one vocational education. I don't even know what that means, but somehow I made that. Much uh, education. Vocational education. The, uh, what do you call it? Um, like the genre, I guess, of the book is what I selected yeah. somehow. Oh, nice. Somehow we were number one <laughs> in that section. So that's pretty based. Because of you guys. Awesome. Well, Johnny, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yes, sir. Have a good day. All right, guys. That's all I've got for episode 23, The Modern Minute Man. As always, train hard, train often. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Shrink the numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down